is upon us. It's time to dig in, to stand our ground, and watch for the next attack. You're in the Fox with Jason Mark. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Foxhole, where we stand our ground and watch for the enemy's next move. Uh, tonight is February 6th. Uh, Tuesday, 2024. Again, I will be replaying this on the video platforms on Thursday at the normal time, but we are audio only now. Uh, if you're there, please jump on the uh, the chat. I see White Wolf, who is my guest tonight. Uh, he's in there. Little John's in there. We got a couple other people that are kind of lurking. Hopefully they jump in and particip participate in the chat. But anyway, so tonight um, I've got Mr. White Wolf and White Wolf is uh, I wanted him on because he's kind of a homesteader. And I'm really looking to get into the prep stuff, uh, you know, how to grow food, uh, you know, uh, how to can it, uh, what to buy in the store that's uh, going to last for a long time and just all kinds of useful information that I need to know. And hopefully I think you all need to know that as well. Um, and with what Mr. White Wolf, we're going to be talking about, you know, some of the current events and why we do need to prepare. Uh, so welcome to the show, White Wolf. Uh, please let us know who you are, what you do and uh, and welcome. Okay. Uh I was originally educated to be a, a, a high school math teacher and uh, that didn't work out because the teaching field is full of liberals that think that we're overpopulated and, uh, and they of course don't think that, that, uh, that women should be mothers and, and homemakers, but that, uh, that, the women should be out there driving bulldozers and uh, pulling people over at traffic stops. And uh, but uh, that just didn't work out because I'm more of a traditional kind of person. And uh, and so I uh, well, I worked at the steakhouse for years and that's how I got all my practical hands on experience. And that's how I got to learn all the different kinds of people that are out there. And, uh, and I also worked in the construction business. I know, know just enough about a lot of the trades in order to be dangerous. I, I know enough electricity to wire 99 switches to 99 light bulbs. And uh, I can basically wire everything in the house. Same goes with plumbing. Plumbing has gotten easier over the years. In fact, plumbing is being dumbed down to the point where uh, basically uh, some Mexican that was picking beans on Tuesday could be doing plumbing by Saturday. And, he, you uh, know, I noticed that when I bought my home in Colorado, because I'm the same as you, I, I know enough to be dangerous, uh, kind of a jack of all trades and a master of none. Uh, especially my last trade in the army, I was a technical engineer, which means I designed a lot of the, the blueprints, uh, electrical diagrams, you know, really basic electrical and plumbing stuff, basic, basic stuff. And then I had to go quality control it when they put it in. So I got to see what they do. And I've done some of it myself just by observing. But when I bought my house in Colorado, it's that, uh, they call it Kydex or what, that, that expandable tubing, you just cut it and snap it in place. And the whole house, and it was really cool though, because I had a water distribution panel, um, like an electrical box where I could, let's just say I, I developed a leak in my my toilet upstairs i could turn that toilet off but the sink still worked they're all kind of wired if you will individually pretty neat stuff but it is simple i i had a, a pipe burst 
um, on the exterior of the home in the wintertime and I had to replace it and it was real easy for me to do so. So no special tools or anything really. Right. Yeah. Anyway, kind of a, a sidebar there. Sorry. I got excited when you said you knew a lot of stuff because I do too. Just not a lot about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Plus uh, carpentry and, uh, and uh, cement pouring, pouring cement and uh, tile and uh, yeah. Tile I've so, never done. I need, I would like to learn to do tile so I could do an actual tile backsplash in my kitchen. Oh, it's easy. It, is it? Okay. It, there's just it. a few tricks that you have to, to know and then you can tile like a professional. Yeah, I, I got, I thought this kitchen when we bought this house, I thought it had a tile backsplash, but it's actually just a thing that sticks on the wall and it's really cheap, you know, and it starts to peel off around where there's water or, or moisture. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, uh, most countertops are basically just a uh, glorified uh, particle board, as yeah. they That's called it in the old days. Yeah. It, it gets wet and game over. Yeah. Now my house in, in Georgia had granite countertops and those things were amazing. And did you know granite is slightly magnetic? You can actually stick a, ma a strong enough magnet to it. So no, I, I guess depends. Maybe it depends on where the granite comes from, but I guess mine had an iron content in it, and it um, was pretty cool because I could show the people buying the house. And, Look, this is real granite. And they're like, "That's cool," you know. But anyway, let's let's get on to the topics tonight. So you know, by the end of the show, I really want to go over prepping, but I I want people to take it serious, and this isn't just a show about you know once we hit uh you know world war z or whatever the, the disease x or whatever happens uh, it's kind of too late to start and really it's almost too late now if you look at the state of things if it goes south we're all screwed pretty much um and i guess we'll start about uh tell us about what you think about all this war stuff going on specifically with iran um russia's coming back up now but um uh how do you think we're fair in there you think it's going to get worse or we're going to get a little bit better well, of course, it's going to get worse. World War Three has has been planned for how many years? Um, to uh, just to set set the record straight, at least since the American Civil War, all all of the wars have have been simply planned. That that they've been choreographed by both sides, and the the politics that you see is basically just a clown show. The, uh, the, the politicians are all working for the same people. And, well, I don't know how many of the guests are familiar with the fact that, uh, that World War I, okay, the, the, the reason the world allegedly went to war in 1914 was because the Archduke Ferdinand of the Austro-Hungarian Empire got shot in, in Sarajevo. And the license plate of the car that he was riding in reads A111118. Which is Armistice November 11th, 1918. Oh, wow. Trying to tell you that it was all planned, and uh, and and all of all of those young men from all all of the Allied and all of the Axis nations were basically just just going to the slaughter 
in, in order to feed the god Moloch. And it was just all one big satanic holocaust. And the, the same thing goes with World War II. And uh, maybe, some, maybe someday we can do a show and I can show how Pearl Harbor was all planned out in advance. It was planned out by, by both the Japanese and the Americans. And the, the whole point of Pearl Harbor was to blow up a bunch of obsolete battleships. I was going to mention that. that. That's why the aircraft carriers were sent out on drill or whatever they did. They were sent exactly. out. Exactly. Right yeah. In fact, uh, there's a lot of people that, that understand now that Roosevelt knew that the attack was coming. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the Japanese had several spies that were working out of the Japanese embassy in Honolulu. And those Japanese spies watched, uh, I can't remember the order off the top of my head, but, but I think it was on uh, November the 30th, they watched the, uh, the, the Lexington and, and five of the modern cruisers and, and, and the destroyers just exit the harbor uh, to, to take planes to, I believe it was Midway. And then a, a few days later, I think it was on, on December the 3rd, they watched uh, the other carrier, I can't remember the name of it offhand, leave with the, the, the rest of the modern cruisers. I think there were nine modern cruisers left and, and its flotilla of uh, the more modern destroyers. And so the only thing that was left in the harbor were the battleships and, and a bunch of World War I era destroyers. And uh, all of these things were derelict. And th they weren't even the more modern battleships, which were all in the Atlantic fleet at the time. So, so basically the Japanese spies, they should have been frantically radioing uh, Tokyo and saying, the Americans know the fleet is coming. All of their modern ships are out of the harbor. Call off the attack. Well, I, I still struggle with the concept that, you know, as the world is in conflict, you know, we're not in the conflict yet. Um, we would still be watching what's going on. And I don't see how Japan can bring over. Uh, they didn't fly them planes over there, you know, from from Japan all the way across the, the Pacific Ocean. The, those planes didn't have that kind of range on them. Um, the, they had to have brought them out on some kind of a carrier and we would have seen those boats well in advance we, we knew what was going on out there in the ocean we i mean even in the atlantic uh for a long long time i don't know if it goes back to um back to before world war ii or not but we have listening devices throughout the ocean bed all across the atlantic and they could they could tell you exactly what vessel it is you know they listen to the engine noise and they could tell you down to the exact vessel not just it's this type of russian ship or, or whatever they'll say it is this exact ship. Right. I, I don't know so. whether they had that technology back then, but they definitely had listening stations all over the Pacific and they were intercepting and actually decoding the Japanese radio transmissions. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, if you want to believe it, the, the, the Japanese codes were allegedly broken by, by a woman that was good at solving crossword puzzles. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but 
that's that's the kind of comedy that that, that they throw at us. <laughs> but the, the Noku, uh, right? <laughs> Finished all but, the all uh, the Sudoku puzzles in the book, so then went to decoding the Japanese radio. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, it's it's really all a clown show, and it has been a clown show for quite a while. And uh, no. Uh, Vladimir Putin and Zelensky and and uh, and Biden. Well, we know Biden is a clown. I mean, that's no secret. And uh, all these all these other heads of states, they they get their marching orders every morning with the with, with the paper and their uh, their breakfast of choice or whatever. But uh, they know exactly what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to say whether they're supposed to be serious or a clown or what what have you. I, I mean, as far as well, I'm concerned, uh, anybody paying any attention to any politician has, has completely lost the plot. You, you know, I was talking with Angus. We did maybe a month ago or so, about three weeks ago, maybe. Uh, we were looking at the state of, uh, you know, the, the war there in Ukraine and then how it had shifted over to Israel and Palestine. And... Uh, you know, we, we just don't see that going real far. People are kind of weary of, of that that battle now. You know, Ukraine supposedly was doing great, but then they need more money. And then, oh, yeah, we're doing great. Now we're doing bad. It's all a, it's a dog and pony show over there. If Russia wanted to just blitzkrieg Ukraine, it could. Absolutely could. Of course. Could. Yeah. Of course. And, then, and then so, you know, okay, well, we're losing support for Ukraine. So let's kick off Israel. Uh, and then that's pretty divisive here in the U.S. So I, I told Angus and we brought some charts up and stuff and showed it. I was like, you know, we haven't heard from uh, North Korea or I Iran in a while. We haven't heard anything about that. Did they just go to sleep? You know, because supposedly they were the biggest threats. And we pulled up this chart that showed, you know, the public fear, you know, how scared they were of these different nations that are supposedly our enemies. And Iran was down at the bottom. Like nobody was scared of Iran. And I said, watch it watch iran we're going to get into a conflict with iran and here we are now so I, I, they've got to keep us in a constant state of war um we've always got china uh, if something kicks off in in uh Okin not okinawa in uh taiwan then you know boom we're at war with china uh of course south korea north korea so i don't know i, I i'm seeing that if people aren't biting off in this iran thing then we're going to push another war and another war until we're on too many battlefronts. Um, and I think it is, you know, I think they're all in the game. You know, well, I, I think, I think the direction that the false flag might come is, uh, is they're going to blame these immigrants. Yeah. Let's talk the, about that. Um, because that the immigration thing, I'll let you go on it. Cause we talked about it earlier. I'll just let you run free on that. Uh, very good conversation we had earlier on the phone. So the immigration, how does that play a role with this war? Okay. Well, the, the immigrants, uh, are your false flag potential because, uh, what they could do is, is they could take down a, uh, a vital piece of infrastructure or they could take down a, a piece of infrastructure that, 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 that would kill a lot of people. And they could blame the immigrants. And yeah. uh, Well, it, that's what it, I'm seeing right here, White Wolf. Uh, this is different. This migration that we have now is way different than anything we had in the past. 
we have people coming from all over the world and it's it's apparently organized um because they this caravan it's not like they have a, a friend's facebook page that says coming to america and then just join the group and then you know they organize where to meet up and they organize their transportation i seen a, a little um short i don't know if you want to call it a documentary it was a, a video these guys did where they actually flew down um and i forget what country but it's way way down in south america and they joined up with a, a bunch of chinese uh, chinese immigrants mostly young men you know of military age and they did the trek all the way to the border and they had a map it was like a tour guide they had like a tour guide you know they they were told where to stop uh where they stopped they would take the money the whatever they had these uh these cards with money on them um they spoke chinese well, there. when you say is, trek what what was their means of transportation it was a variety it was bus train walking uh like the whole route is planned out and there's uh -huh. they said there was two or three routes but it's like when you go to hollywood and you get one of those little visitor information things and it shows you the little guide of like where you want to go see the sites it was like that kind of map and uh ironically they made it all the way through those dangerous countries and got kidnapped a couple miles from the border by a cartel um they were let go they destroyed all their equipment and then let them go but um but that's interesting that it's it seems to be very well organized and in this particular case it was a bunch of chinese immigrants uh or migrants if you want to call them that and you know some of them are from iran some of them are from pakistan so i mean it's all over so when you talk about a false flag potential yeah they got a lot of different groups to blame anything on it could be a natural disaster like a lightning strike uh, causes a fire and kills a bunch of people they could say it was arson it could be uh, a power uh, cascading failure on the power grid it could be a lot of different things but yeah i agree that there's and i'm expecting to see a false flag probably in the next several months we're going to see something to kick us off oh, in a yeah. full-blown war yeah so i'm sorry i didn't mean to steal the thunder there keep on uh keeping on well, well let's uh look let's talk about the the oroville dam because we were talking about okay. that right before the show and uh now i've i've followed the oroville dam essentially since uh 2017 now in february of 2017 it was right around this time of the year that uh yeah you, you've got the you've got the reservoir right there yeah and i know people are listening but i will show this on thursday so for the video um, you know, for people listening that can't see the video, what I have here yeah. is on Google Maps. I'm showing um, the what, what Lake Oroville, and then the dam. Uh, it's a pretty significant lake. It's uh, it's pretty big, and then below yeah, it, it's, right, uh, huge the, populated the, area right below it. Yeah, the, the the dam is basically an earthen dam, and uh, and earlier. You had a video of, of what happens when, when an earthen dam collapses, and the the best way to describe an, an earthen dam collapse is everything is okay until it's not. And uh, yeah, and for the people listening, uh, I'm actually showing a video of that collapse, and it is mind blowing. Um, it all this earth that the water is picking up is like if you've ever worked with uh, uh, concrete and they put a lot of water in the concrete, that's what it looks like. And it's moving yeah. 
What is, what did you say that? And of course, the, the the video that you're playing is just a it's just a relatively small reservoir that collapsed. Yeah, but, I think we like estimated maybe, about 30, 30 acres across, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it. Yeah. The, not even uh, probably a thousandth uh, of the size of of Lake Oroville. So. so wow! Look at that what, devastation. What, one could only imagine what what would happen if Lake Oroville were to go. Well, at any rate, uh, in 2017, the, the, the Feather River, which drains into Lake Oroville, ha had massive historical flooding, which, of course, I believe was caused by the, uh, the weather modification, okay, because th they've been experimenting with years with, with what I call these rain bombs, wh wh where they will take the weather in a particular area and they will bring in a massive amount of humidity and, and a, and a massive temper temperature differential. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it triggers these torrential rains that are just incredible. I, I know a few years ago that they can even do this in desert areas. I, I think they rained out the city of Tucson. Yeah. So, we just talked about this. Um, Last week on Nights of the Storm, we had Matt Landman on, and uh, he he did the uh, did the uh, Franken Skies where he talks about the chemtrails and stuff, but he also talks about a lot of other things. And cloud seeding is for real. They were doing this since before I was born. Uh, I'm from Southern Illinois originally, and I knew about this in grade school. That you know farmers could seed their own clouds back then. You know, with a crop dusting plane, you get it up high enough. You drop, I don't know what they were dropping, silver sulfate or some something in the, the particles, and, and it will cause it to rain when it normally wouldn't rain. Um, and, you know, since then, the government's really good at controlling weather. Uh, so, yeah, they could they could use what appears to be a force of nature. Yeah, what, what, well, I've, I've seen uh, I've seen old videos that they were actually uh, doing something akin to chemtrails uh right after world war one and uh i remember seeing this incredible video of uh of a plane flying a chemtrail and it was it was causing this uh this curtain of rain uh over this battleship and and it was a very impressive uh photograph and and I'm sure that uh, that was released accidentally, but uh, yeah, but Karen's there mentioning people that, that picked it up. Karen in the chat is mentioning uh, talking about whipping up hurricanes over the Pacific, where typically there's not major storms, and we we just had that recently uh, with the Hurricane Hillary, uh, which didn't end up having the same death count as the you know the other Hillary, but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was kind of a the thing poo pooed out. But uh, I thought it was odd. And they, of course, using that for the global warming MacGuffin, you know, but they right. definitely. Well, I, I know they that they hit Acapulco with a fake hurricane. I, I forget when that was uh, last October. Or September, maybe. But uh, Jeff Burrick was talking about that for, for quite some time on his show, how this category five hurricane came out of nowhere and people were just expecting like tropical storm winds. And he was trying to warn everybody, no, no, it's, it's going to be a, 
it's going to be a category five storm. You, you'd better either evacuate or, or, uh, or get yourself to some very secure shelter. And, uh, and Acapulco was basically leveled and, uh, and it was just wind that there was hardly any rain that they said during that storm, it was just a very strange storm, but, but, uh, that is strange. What would drive the wind? Um, yeah. Without yeah, that's very strange indeed. But but at any rate, get, getting back to the Feather River, okay, okay. So so what happened was that the Oroville Lake rose rapidly, and they were trying to drain the excess water out of the spillway, and 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 they decided that that the spillway was starting to disintegrate, and so they shut off the spillway. And the and the lake level was rising, and they decided to let it overflow the emergency spillway. And somebody said that that oh that this is eroding in an unforeseen manner, and and, and we're afraid that the uh, that the whole concrete top of the emergency spillway could go, and that would be what they called an uncontrolled release. In other words, a 30-foot a, a wall of water would just go right over the dam and, and into the town of Oroville. I think this and, year, uh, if you're seeing this on video later, I believe this is their, looks like their emergency that, spillway. That, that's the main spillway there. Mm -hmm. the, the emergency spillway, if you look at that concrete, uh, that concrete escarpment on... As you're looking down, it's on the left side of the spillway. That that's the dam right there you have in the center. Right. It, and then there's the spillway. Oh, this here, the yeah. emergency, right here. Uh you, you see that big white square? That's yeah. it. Okay. That's the emergency yep. spillway. That, wow. Now, if, it, if it's hitting that, uh, I could see the elevation difference here. That water is pretty doggone high. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was actually overflowing the emergency spillway. And they were afraid that, that the whole thing was going to give way. And well, they real, real quick, uh, do you remember when Katrina happened and they had um, footage? I remember this particular piece of footage they had where one of the levees was given way. And, and the thing, the water coming over had just eroded a small, uh, it was, it was small enough for you to step over <coughs> and the water comes through and, and blew that, soil out so fast a guy took a uh, like a backhoe up there and was going to try to fill it but it just before you knew it within i don't know two or three minutes that thing was uh i don't know 20 foot wide i mean oh, when yeah, it goes yeah. it goes fast so yeah if if there's uh you know back to the infrastructure piece if that goes over that emergency spillway and that concrete doesn't hold up and it starts pulling up soil it's gonna it's gonna erode a nice deep um a deep trench and the water's going to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming and taking all that debris along with it. Oh, absolutely. So, so at any rate, uh, what they did was that, that they called for an evacuation and they told approximately 200,000 people that, that you have 20 minutes to get out uh, before everything is destroyed. And, Naturally, that there was a complete panic. That the roads were clogged. I mean, yeah. if if the 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 uh, if the dam would have go, gone 
if the dam would have broken, all those people basically would have been wiped out. Because uh, oh yeah, and I'll the, bring it up on screen just for the people on video. Um, you the, can see the evacuation was was a complete disaster, and and after after that they had that evacuation. Uh, they said it was safe for people to come back in the town, but, but people were trying to find out what was really going on up in the Oroville Dam, and people were not allowed anywhere near the dam. There were guards all over the place. Uh, some people were able to, to sneak in and, 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 uh, and, and film, and, uh, and engineers who saw the films that said that all, all the repairs were, were just way below any any standard that, that could even remotely be called safe and uh and i i've come to the conclusion that that, that basically that whole dam is a ticking time bomb uh, how old and, is this uh, dam by the way because pe people need to understand when it comes to that, concrete. that dam goes back to the 1960s okay and Con concrete con continues to cure its entire life and as it cures it becomes harder but it becomes more brittle um, concrete right. never stops curing. So but, but the, uh, there's but, a lifespan the on this thing. The main part of the Oroville Dam is basically a northern dam. And uh, as, as far as I know, that the Hyatt Power Plant has had problems. Uh, I, I, I believe they've had one generator that, that basically no longer works. Uh, as far as the Oroville Spillway is concerned, that the main spillway, the, the, the one gate is essentially broken. It... Uh, it, it will not close all the way. And, and so as soon as, as soon as the water gets up to the spillway level, you can actually see water going down the spillway, which they can't control because they, they can't close the one gate the whole way. So <clears throat> you've got to wonder at, at what point that does that gate just simply give out and, uh, and, and then you, you essentially have an uncontrolled flow going down that spillway. Also, the, the, they, they rebuilt that spillway, and every one of us who is knowledgeable <clears throat> does not believe that that spillway is anything near uh, the, the, the durability or the capacity of the original spillway. It's, it's basically just there for show. And if it got any appreciable water volume whatsoever, it would just crumble like the original spillway did when they were forced to send all that water down the original spillway in 2017, and it just crumbled into nothing. And I'm sure that there's some videos on YouTube that still up that show all of that devastation. Here on the Google Earth, I'm using Google Earth instead of Maps, if you're listening. Um, this actually captured it when there was water coming down this spillway and that is a uh -huh. lot of water folks. So it just happens to be, that's when this photo was taken and I, yeah, and I brought that, this up. It, show, it shows that the topography. Was probably last year w w when they ran the spillway, it, it approximately, I, I, I think it was 20,000 uh, cubic feet per second. I, I think that's how, how they measure the volume. And, uh, and the original spillway was designed to, to take up to 100,000 cubic feet per second. And the, uh, 
the new spillway has has not got anywhere near those levels. Now, if you look at the if you look at the Oroville Lake levels, okay, and, and I had two years there for you. I, I think they were 2019 and, and just last year, 2023. And so for, for the people viewing later, um, I got the 2019 level up. Uh, okay. Said, I'll bring up the 2023. So this top of this peak around 900 is that feet, I guess. Um, yeah. 900 feet is the top of the dam. So it's and, gotten uh, up there both years. And, and so it, in, in 2019, it approached the top. But in 2019, they had the spillway closed for most of the time. And so it just uh, it just approached the top. Now, last year was even more interesting because last year it got up to what they claim was 899 feet. And, uh, and it basically just hovered at 899 feet for approximately three weeks, which is just basically unheard of and, i guess uh, they stopped evaporation and they stopped using the power plant because <laughs> if it just yeah. stayed there the water's not going anywhere right yeah they, they, they just told all the snow to stop melting yeah uh, right for, for, for those weeks in june and so none, uh, none added none taken away it's just magic but yeah. look at this 2024 this kind of concerns me you had me bring that up um so here's our trend line and we're well above those other two years so i wonder oh, if oh, oh yeah 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 t t 20 in fact when i brought that chart up just a few days ago i i noticed that the that the lake was already over 800 feet and and usually this time of the year it's not even close to 800 feet it's it, it's down in the 600 level and uh, I, I do realize that the lake is V-shaped and, and, and that, yes, the, the, the level initially rises very fast. And, uh, but, but yeah, the, the, this year, the, the level is already above the levels of all the previous years. And, and I'm just wondering whether or not they have planned for some, some type of epic failure coming in maybe uh april or may that's and that's kind of what i was wanting to allude to um i see with a lot of um uh, let's look at the hawaii wildfires right uh, a lot of that was due to lack of mitigation not taking care of power lines um you know we could talk about whether they used uh, directed energy weapons or whether it was arson but the fact of the matter is it was such a disaster because of the the lack of mitigation same in california they don't want to clean their stuff up. So if this thing breaks, whether it's intentional or not, and kills, you know, 100,000 people, um, they're not going to take credit for their failure. They're going to blame it on somebody. And that's well, going to be your exactly. false flag. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, that could be your your false flag right there. So, yeah. So, and we. So, and this is in California where a lot of these migrants from all these different countries go. So they could just pick Okay, let's use this crisis to go to war with, uh, hey, let's go to war with uh, uh, North Korea. We had some Koreans that came here. Yeah, know, well, well that's here. one yeah. option. Another option is they could blame it on climate change yeah. and say, well, we need to have a climate lockdown now. 
you, yep. you can't you can't drive your cars or everything else because it, it might cause another climate disaster. Yeah, but yeah. because the, the, they could blame. In fact, what they have going on right now is uh, is is they have this weather pattern that, that, that they've set up that, that California is getting hit with all kinds of rain. Mm -hmm. as as we speak and uh and i i've noticed it, it's mainly impacting southern california at the moment but they could uh they could turn the faucet on over northern california and and they could fill up that that reservoir in no time yeah and, and there's uh, another thing another thing to this you know they they show these dramatic pictures of streets turning into rivers and they say this has never happened before. This is record rain. This is record this, record that. I hate to say, but that's not true. Uh, it's. Uh, I lived in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs had a very big problem because they they sprawled out. The urban uh, landscape sprawled out so fast, and they didn't take into account upgrading the drainage. So when you have less and less permeable um, ground, the water has to drain You know, over pavement, concrete, things like that and the existing infrastructure can't handle it, it makes it look dramatic. And then they, they use, again, climate change. But it's really just overdevelopment and, um, and lack of development of drainage systems. So California has, I mean, it just keeps spreading, spreading, spreading. Um, same as Las Vegas. I, I seen flash flooding in Las Vegas, and it wasn't even raining. It was uh, it rained in the mountains. It wasn't raining right. in Vegas, but there was a, a, we had to turn around because we were taking a vehicle and there was uh, train tracks and the, the road went under the train tracks. It was completely full of water. And there was a truck flooded out down there. Um, and it, I'm like, where did this water come from? It's not even it was coming up from the manholes and stuff uh, from the drainage. So and, and that's because, you know, Vegas uh, Henderson was still not as big as it is now. I don't know if you've ever been out to Vegas, but uh, when I was there, it was basically the strip and a little bit of city around it. But now if I go look on Google Maps, it's humongous. And they didn't take into account all, all that water. When it does rain, that water's got to go somewhere. And then, you know, I could look oh, at oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, I, be, I was to Vegas uh, about 25 years ago. And, yeah, you, you could see all the all the suburban buildup. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like tornadoes, you know, out here. You know, people want to think that, oh, global warming, because we're getting all these really horrible tornadoes. And I'm like, No. We used to get the horrible tornadoes, but nobody lived there, so nobody cared. They didn't report on it. Maybe nobody even noticed it. Uh, right. But now, since we've spread out, and I've gone to some of the old places I lived as a kid when it was maybe one or two farmhouses in a huge, vast area, and I got roads or uh, uh, buildings all along the road, and people have put trailers out in the woods and campers. and I mean, they live everywhere. You can't go two miles in this country without hitting somebody you know, where somebody lives now. So, yeah, we're going to notice these storms more often. Um, but anyway, I'm kind of getting on a sidetrack about the whole global warming scam. But uh, sorry about that. I, I get sidetracked sometimes. Well, that's okay. That that's okay. We're, but uh, no, I I just wanted to bring up Oroville because uh, I, I'm sure that there's lots more examples of uh, of dilapidated infrastructure across the country. I I, I heard that there's like dams up up in uh the state of uh missouri and uh and north dakota that that are also in quite a dilapidated state and and they could send a wall of water d down the missouri river you know and, i i was 
out at uh, Table Rock Lake, which is at Branson, Missouri, not long ago. And uh, my wife and I stopped out there because, I don't know, years back, you know, over a decade ago, we went out there and had some pictures, you know, right there at the dam. They got kind of like a little visitor center thing. And uh, we just went out to see the spot where we took our pictures. And I, I think I'm going to go back out there and just take a, a look at it, see what the state of it looks like, because that dam has been around for a long, long time. Um, it was built by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, so I don't know what the quality of construction is, you know, uh, good enough for government work. But if that thing goes, you've got, um, I think it's Taney Como, Lake Taney Como is off that, and they have a power plant there and a trout hatchery. But that's all complete. I mean, this is a huge dam. That's all completely underwater. And then there's another dam after that that goes into like the Bull Shoals Lake. And I think there's like three dams or four dams along there. But that water, it would breach every single one of those dams, you know, that volume of water coming that fast. Right. And and people live all along that those lakes, you know. Right. So oh yeah, yeah. The, the, there's there's so many places where uh something could reach a tipping point and and it would cause a uh just a chain reaction of disasters yeah cascading effect and and that's what i worry about my money uh, on a false flag when it comes to infrastructure my money is on the power grid but um it could be anything i just think the power grid in my opinion is what, what they'll go for because that's but, what well certainly if if there was uh if there was a massive dam break, that that would affect the power grid because because uh, yep. you've got uh, not only not only do, do you have the uh, the, the obvious uh, hydroelectric that that would go offline, but also a lot of your coal and nuclear plants are are right along rivers, and uh, and well, it's also the, the when I talk about a cascading effect. Um, since the grid is all kind of tied together now, uh, if you have a massive like outage, massive, massive, out, but but everyone's tied together, the need or the load is still there. And since we, we've shifted to about 15 to 20 percent green that can't just ramp up when needed to meet that load. Uh, if you can't balance the load with the, with the output, you don't want to output too much or too little. It's got to be matched to the load. Well, if you lose a major significant input there isn't the ability to offset that by ramping something up like we used to have, you know, like right. you just uh, crank the coal plant up a little bit. Um, no. And we're, we're only making it worse by uh, closing down, you know, nuclear and coal. Uh, so I don't know. So yeah, I guess, I guess a, a major dam outage could cause the, uh, the power, the power, maybe not for the whole country, but for a significant portion of it. And then also you've got the middle of nowhere. You can go out in the middle of the desert and you'll see, uh, well, let's look at the Hoover Dam that powers Vegas. How many do you think they have guards and, and uh, you know, cameras along that whole route where those massive power lines are? It wouldn't be hard to, you know, take one out. I'm not giving anybody suggestions, you know, but uh, it could be done by us. It could be done by an actual terrorist. Um, it could be right. something else and then blamed on a terrorist. I mean, no, nobody knows. Those things are, are not even looked at. I've got well, power lines well, that run through my property. That not not only is the power grid connected, okay, but you also have to take into account that, like for example, the financial system, yeah, and the communication system 
depends on the power grid and, and the power grid depends upon the financial system and the communication system. So, so you take out any of the legs of that triad and, and the other two legs are going down as well. So now I've had people, you know, um, argue with me that they wouldn't take the power out because they need that for the communication system. And I want to let people know I worked in this space for quite a while. It, they will still have communication. Trust me. They have all of these. Um, they have triple redundancy in every single combo tower. They have commercial power as your primary. You've got uh, diesel generators, your backup, and then you have battery power. In case your diesel goes out, then you can go refill it or whatever. Battery power typically lasts about eight hours. At least in our facilities, they lasted about eight hours. And that was the old, old batteries. God knows what they can do now with lithium ion. But the, they, you, your cell phone may not work, but their uh, control network and communications network will work. So just let people know that. Oh, yeah. The, the, there's, there's different tiers as far as the right. cell phones are concerned. Right, yeah, I, I know, for example, that, that, that most of the police, uh, they, they have special cell phones that, uh, that can do things that ours can't, for, for one thing. And, and also, uh, during a power failure, they'll still work because the, the, they're, they're tuned into a, a redundancy system. Yeah, and we had that in the Army, too. Um, even if the, the signal was degraded to where we were losing the data, because, um, you know, it's got to be timed in. Like if you lose the timing, uh, then the, that digital thing can't be decoded on the other end. Uh, but we still had channels that we could talk across so we could troubleshoot with the other end. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely different tiers, different layers of communications. So, uh, you know, I, I just want to throw it out there for people that would tell me that I'm wrong, that they would never attack intentionally attack the power system because of communications and they, they need the communications for control. They still will have that control folks. They will. Um, mm -hmm. how long? I don't know, but I, I just know everyone's so glued to their cell phone right now that if everybody's cell phone went out in a massive area, let's say two States or something, people will be ready to go to war. You know, they wouldn't, they would want to know who did it and we got to bomb them Iranians or bomb the Chinese or whatever because they took my cell phone out so i don't know no i uh i i think that uh i think that all the war fever is just is just adding another layer to an already uh untenable situation because the the infrastructure is basically running on fumes if you want to put it that way it's it's like it's it's extremely tenuous and not just the not just the power grid but but like for example the, the whole banking and credit system is is so broken at this point yeah. that uh that well it became a ponzi scheme once we didn't have to have any reserves you know well, it, it really well yeah but, but but basically for years now it's it's been essentially a confidence game mm -hmm. I, I i mean uh, the 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 reason that that our money is is worth anything is because people believe in it in, in other words as one as one person put it everybody's dreaming the same dream but uh but what happens 
if there is a uh, if there is a confidence crisis, say well, that's in the, what uh, happened before the bank runs. Um, what, what well, the, there are bank runs occurring now, and and we're not really hearing about them. That's but, true. Yeah, we we maybe we should report on that because I know it, it's happening here and there, and um, I don't know if I report on it, will it make it happen more? That that would be bringing about the destruction. Yeah, but, yeah, but but uh, but that's the whole point that 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 it's a it, it's a self feeding cycle, and once it hits critical mass, uh, it's going to be like a tsunami. That there's not going to be anything that's going to stop it. Yeah. And, and like I said, you, you, you have the credit, you have the communications and, and, and you have the power and you knock any of those legs out and the other two are going down. There's no doubt about that. And when they go down, they're going to pull everything else down with it. Of, of course, it, it, without communications, without power, you, you're not going to be able to get diesel fuel for your trucks or your yep. trains transportation's going to grind to a halt and when transportation grinds to a halt of course the the, the cities especially uh w will be out of food and and uh and and all kinds of uh of uh oh, what's the word i'm looking for the the opposite of durable goods that the, they'll be out of those in days People yeah the consumables to, uh, yeah and that's yeah. Uh, that's something to mention actually uh, I got to tell Karen right now. She's listening. She's in the chat. Um, uh, little John lost internet, so he's not ignoring you. <laughs> so I guess he, he uh, fell off. But John texted me and said, hey, let Karen know I lost internet. But yeah, the financial system. As a matter of fact, I always forget to play the commercials. Let me take a quick break and let's run uh, Tony's commercial for Wise Wolf. Because um, that's a durable good right there. You know, uh, look at what the rich are doing. The rich aren't keeping their money in fiat. They're buying property, uh, farmland. Uh, they're buying uh, a domestic property like uh, single-family housing, um, gold and silver. You know, some of them are into the crypto. I don't know. I don't like the crypto personally, but I know some people are doing that. But definitely, they don't keep it in money. Right now, I'm building a workshop because I have money in the bank, and every day it becomes worth a little bit less. So I could save it there and feel safe about it and watch it get whittled away or put it into something that's going to hold its value. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, a workshop is a great investment. If I resell this property later, it's going to make, it's going to double the price of this home because it's almost the same square footage as my house, you know? Um, and anyway, let me go ahead and run this commercial and we'll be right back folks. If I, there it is. You work hard for your money. The federal reserve could care less about that. It's endless printing of fiat dollars to support war, welfare, and ever-expanding government. Your hard-earned money becomes worth less every day. You need a way to hedge against runaway inflation. Saving accounts pay almost no interest, and the stock market is a roller coaster ride of uncertainty. Don't let your savings or retirement be diminished by reckless speculators, bad fiscal policy, and endless printing of fiat dollars. Call Tony Arterburn at Wise Wolf or visit wisewolfgoldandsilver.com for a real wealth storage vessel. Wolfpack is a monthly savings program that ships physical gold and silver to your door. It's a buyer's club 
that uses the strength of numbers to get bulk pricing. Tony passes the savings on to you. Tony can roll over a IRA or a 401k into a precious metals-backed IRA. He can also help with Bitcoin, if that's what you're into. Stop being robbed by the Fed and visit wisewolfgoldandsilver.com to secure your hard work in something that truly holds value. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. That's right. You were talking about durable goods, and that's one kind of a durable good you can get is something that has a value. Especially, I'm a I'm a fan of silver because silver has a lot of uses in the electronics industry, uh, solar, medical. It's way undervalued right now, in my opinion, because if you look at uh, the traditional gold to silver ratio, it's way off. You know, and uh, that's done because they're, they're selling paper, gold, and paper <coughs> silver. That's, that's with that market. So, and that was uh, that was Angry Tiger. If you didn't recognize the voice, he did the voiceover for that commercial. Uh, mm -hmm. So, make sure if you want to know more well, about well, uh, all the commodities are. Yeah, uh, I mean the the prices are ludicrous. I, I I mean even even like aluminum scrap, the the price yeah. is absolutely ludicrous. Well, copper now people are starting to look at copper, and I've actually gone through all my pennies and pulled out all the uh, what was it eighty two? I forget when they took the copper out of the pennies. I don't know what off. The oh, the, the, they took the copper out of the pennies way back. Did they? I, I know I got it on a spreadsheet. I, I think I, you I, have to go back to sixty five. Uh, that's for the, the silver pennies um, that were that were pure copper yeah that um anyway so uh let's talk about one more i want to talk about the prep stuff we've only got about 35 minutes left but before we get into that because we're talking about potential crises crises crisis uh that could happen whether it be a natural disaster a man-made natural disaster um you know we got to look at this new disease x thing uh, because we saw what happened with COVID, the lockdown. And like you said, uh, if supply chains shut down, uh, maybe it doesn't have to be a major false flag. It might be a false invisible enemy, another invisible enemy, Disease X. Yeah, I, X I, I think Disease X is uh, essentially a distraction. They you think so? Yeah, they, they never do the same thing twice. There's there's too many people that, that are awake now to, to the COVID line. And if, if they try to lock down for a disease X, I don't think that would work. That that would just simply not fly. That There would be too many people that would just ignore it. And that there's no way. I would way love to see that. I would love to see people just tell it, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. You work for me. You know? Exactly. I would love to see that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I don't think they're going to roll out disease X. Uh, yeah. I think I the most think, likely uh, thing is the money. I think the money thing, um, they almost need a, a money crisis. Um, but, well, they, they, they've got their money crisis and, and that might feed into uh, what they're really trying to do now is, is uh, I, I think they're trying to egg the various factions onto a civil war. Yeah, I see that as well. Yeah, you, you, you know, I was I was listening. I, I mean, D Don Jeffries uh, for for his eye protest this past Friday, he he, he had a real winner there. Uh, some some clown, some pro-Trump clown that uh, that w was telling us that uh, that 
oh, well, you have to go out there and vote. So, so then you can say that the election was rigged. And and it's like, uh, it's vote like, vote harder. Please. <laughs> vote as uh, hard as you can. <laughs> just just spouting all kinds of nonsense. I, I was embarrassed for Don, but, uh, but, but, oh, that, that, that guy was just, wall-to-wall -wall nonsense but. i i missed that one i'll have to go back and watch it but with the civil yeah. war thing um i see him trying to stoke a civil war i don't think we're going to get to a civil war but it's keeping it's a very fine distraction at well, well at any rate what that what that guy was saying well it might come down to wh where we have to grab our guns and go defend the border and and it's like don't talk about over the top ludicrous i i, I mean it's like you don't even know who you're shooting at. You, you, right. you know, some of these so-called migrants, okay, they're, they're not all bad people. The, the, no, they're the, not. There are some people that, that are trying to get into this country, okay, be, because the, they think that, that they've got a better life ahead for them. And I would say the ones come, because I've seen people stop and interview some of these migrants, and when you hit up the... Um, the uh, the ones from South America, not necessarily Mexico, could be anywhere in South America. A lot of them are fleeing really bad situations where the cartels are just over the top. They'll extort them for money. Um, they'll kidnap right. people. They'll take. Well, your not house. only that. I, I mean, how many people have we bombed into the Stone Age over the last thirty years? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I just am suspect over the ones that it's nothing but military age men coming from some obscure country where there is a Western nation much, much closer for their amnesty or their uh, not amnesty. What do you call it? Uh, asylum. So right. why would you why would you go five times as far when you can just go up to Europe? You know, let's say from from Africa, uh, northern part of Africa, just right there. Europe's right there. Go get your um, your your. Uh, I keep wanting to say amnesty, but uh, your asylum there. But no, you'll fly all the way down to South America and go on the several thousand mile trip, a lot of it on foot, to come into the United States. Now, to me, that's very suspect. And I don't think those people are coming here uh, to get a better life. I think they're coming here for other reasons, at least some of them. Um, Probably. And, and some of them I can actually sympathize with. I, I mean, consider a guy... Like from Iraq, for example, who, who had his mm -hmm. house bombed out, maybe lost several relatives. Well, m maybe he has a score to settle. Now, now, I'm not saying that's everybody from Iraq, but but if you take just like 1%, okay, right. you, you're talking a fairly sizable number there. And, uh, but well, what if a guy lost his wife and children? In a, in exactly. A botched, uh, you know, door raid or, you know, kicking in the doors and raiding the house. And, you know, people get shot by accident all the time, you know. Um, and, yeah. and of course, why were, why were we over there in the first place? To guard the poppies, maybe. Well, I'm talking about yeah. Iraq, not Afghanistan. Oh, Iraq. The, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so kind of caused the problem that we had to go fix, apparently. Yeah which and, happens a lot. We install a regime leader. Uh, we install the person ourselves and then they go sideways and then we have to go clean it up. At least that's what they tell us. I think it's just to fuel the military industrial complex. It's a huge money laundering scheme 
to shift money. Oh, to I, these- I, I agree. Uh, who knows what happened to the real Saddam Hussein? He might be in a in a hot tub with Jerry Epstein, for all we know. It's, <laughs> it's uh, I, I I mean, you know, we, we can speculate until the cows come home, but but uh, but at the end of the day, we really don't know very much. The the only thing we know for sure is that we're being lied to. Yeah, and that uh, and that nothing makes any sense. But but that's the problem. Uh, Whether these uh, whether these so-called immigrants slash terrorists are real or not, uh, they might just do something. It 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 might not be exactly a false flag. It 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 might be something that has a lot of truth behind it. But but it's really not going to matter at this point. You you, you've got. uh, you, you've got this uh, certain class of Americans who, who are just simply fed up and, and they're on their, they're at their wits end and th- they're ready to just start shooting. And uh, that's really all you need in order to ratchet things up to a whole new level. It's, it's like now not only do you have to deal with the collapse and surviving, but you have to, you have to deal with uh, people essentially shooting at each other, and yeah. let's let's get into that because uh, we are going to end up running out of time here on Free World. I mean, we can go longer if we need, but it'll cut me off here in about twenty-seven minutes because um, I think I don't, don't know who comes on after me or if anything does, but that's what my timer says. But um, and that's why I really wanted to have you on to talk about some of these possible scenarios, uh, and the right. sky is the limit. But what's really going to hurt is if you know the food situation across this this uh, country, most people don't have more than a week or potentially two weeks worth of food. Um, They don't have any water on hand if the water shuts off. You know, what are they going to do? Maybe you got a case of bottled water. That's it. Oh, oh, heck, uh, five days. That's being generous. I I mean, a lot of the people I know that that they live from beer to beer and pizza to pizza. Exactly. Yeah. So what can we do now? I mean, I, we talked about this earlier today, and I think even starting now is too late, but it's better to, to start now than to not start at all. Where would well, you suggest? I think or... we can get a lot in in 20 minutes. Okay. okay is uh, I, I, I have my notes here in front of me, and uh, the, the, the first thing that I'll say, okay, when it comes to quote-unquote prepping, okay, it's it's 90% of a spiritual endeavor. Okay. And it's, it's having, it's having the proper frame of mind. And the first thing that I think you want to do is, is you want to, is you want to be able to pull the plug. You, you, you want to turn off the phone. You want to turn off the social media. You want to turn off the television set and you want to turn off the sports and turn off the entertainment. And uh, the first thing that, that you might consider doing is just simply going out in your backyard, looking up at that blue sky and at, at, at the clouds. Uh, at the chemtrails. Not any. <laughs> Look at the chemtrails. <laughs> well, they're, they're more discreet with the chemtrails. I, I notice more cumulus clouds during the day, the, 
the the skies no longer look like some kind of uh some kind of landscape out of a science fiction movie but uh but the whole point is is go out and and be impressed with the silence because god speaks to us in silence and uh and it's god who's going to get us through this if we're meant to get through this because one of the other things I wanted to bring up is that we're all going to die at, at some point, somehow. So if this really is your time to go, then just be resigned to that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying just don't care. I'm not saying don't prepare. I'm just saying that if you've done your best and, uh, and, and, and well, you get your head blown off or whatever. J just just be resigned to w whatever whatever God has in store. And also re remember that part of the Sermon on the Mount where our Lord says, "Today has troubles enough of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow, and and don't fret over yesterday." So let, let let's get into the practical. Uh, wh what you can do practical, okay. Um, because you're very late in the game. Okay. Mm -hmm. But most of the survivalists back in the seventies, okay. That they first bought the place that they thought they needed. And then about two years later that they moved into the place that they really needed because it was a learning experience and a learning curve. So, let's just let's just get right down to the nitty-gritty and the practical okay the the first thing that you want to do is you want to think in terms as primitive as possible in other words what do i have around me what are the resources around me and how can i utilize those in order to survive okay don't fall for the gimmicks Okay, what do you mean uh, by the gimmicks? You're talking about like the kits and all that that you buy online. And yeah, the, the the kits and uh and, and like like I see advertisements that make me laugh. Like for example, uh oh, get your tactical survival flashlight. Yeah. Well, your <laughs> you, you, your tactical flashlight probably has a little device in there where they're tracking you when you're using it, but uh but even that aside, your tactical flashlight has these things called batteries. Well, how are you either going to recharge those or get new batteries when everything goes south? Yeah, um, those those are designed to get you through, um, you know, the, all the emergency stuff that people have on hand is really designed to get you through like maybe a week of an emergency situation. Exactly. That's not, and that's what I, I talk about storable food. I mean, I think you should have some storable food, whether that's canned goods or, you know, beans and rice, or, you know, you don't have to buy this stuff from uh, an online place. You can actually put together exactly. your own, you know, it, so exactly. it's got a long well, shelf. Well, right? well, but, well, but it's going to uh, run out. Eventually it's going to run out. So really what you need to be doing is trying to grow enough food to su sustain you. So right, you're not but, going but we're talking that. to the newbies and the beginners here. So, so okay. they're going to have Fair to enough. start stocking up first. And, and uh, the best thing to do is, Scope out your neighborhood and uh, find a place that sells bulk foods. There, there's usually a place like that somewhere in town. And uh, 
you'll be able to get like, for example, a 50 pound bag of beans, a 50 pound bag of dried peas, a 50 pound bag of rice. Uh, so these are people that would flour. These are people that would sell to like restaurants and stuff, right? Like exactly. Cisco, I believe, is one of the companies. Yeah, exactly. But but there are places that 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 that'll sell to the public, and okay. uh, you can get food a heck of a lot cheaper there than than what you're going to be able to get it at the grocery store. Now, another thing I would recommend is uh, is start saving bottles and and start saving containers. You, you know, an, an excellent container to save is uh, is those those plastic containers that 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 uh, that they like to put the cat litter in, for example. Mm -hmm. um, that those uh, plastic containers with, with the screw on caps, that, that those those would be handy for for storing food, for storing like water. Um, and you talked uh, about peanuts. And, you said something about yeah. the containers with peanuts come in. Yeah, but buy uh, buy peanuts. You, you, your your dried peanuts really cheap, and the plastic bottles they come in. Save save those plastic bottles, and you can reuse them to to store food. And peanuts um, are also a high source of protein too, like good protein. Oh yeah, pe fats. peanuts are definitely good for you. You you you're getting bang for your buck. You're getting the peanuts, and you're also getting the container. But uh, also uh, learn how to build a fire. Fire is going to be your friend. If it's cold, fire is going to be your heat, and and if it's uh, and fire is also going to do your cooking for you. So you want to you want to be able to, to to build a fire. Uh, by just striking one match and using that to, to light your kindling. And uh, so the, the, the thing to understand about building a fire is, first of all, assemble all, all of your materials beforehand. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, I learned that the hard way. The, the yep. best kindling is, uh, is basically crumpled up newspaper. It makes the best kindling. And that's in plentiful supply right now. And you can... Uh, store up some newspapers okay for this purpose uh w without without any problem uh most people uh have newspapers lying around you, you can ask your neighbors you know for their old newspapers or whatever and uh you can get yourself a, a goodly supply of kindling uh fairly rapidly and uh and uh if you just get yourself a supply of matches. M matches are still incredibly cheap for what they do. You you, you can probably get get a whole uh, big box of matches for for well under five dollars still at, at just about any grocery store. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, and so after your paper, after you light your paper, you're going to have want to have a few small diameter dry sticks on hand. And uh, you, you want to add those sticks fairly quickly. And then as they start to burn, you want to graduate to, to uh, and very gradually to, to larger and larger diameter sticks until you're, you're burning about, oh, I would say two inch diameter sticks. And then at that point, 
you can trap the heat and, and put on your logs and, and you should, should have a pretty good fire in no time. Uh, the fire is not really going to be suitable for cooking and, until it, uh, until you've got like coals and embers. Right. And uh, because you, your uh, coals and embers are going to put out a, a very controlled heat. And, uh, and also I don't know how, how expert people are at cooking, but one thing about cooking is you don't need a lot of heat in order to cook most things. Uh, to, to cook vegetables, for example, the temperature only really has to get up to 140 degrees. It, it's not like you're trying to sear a steak or anything like that. Um, even, even to cook an egg, uh, you really don't need a temperature much higher than 160 degrees to, to cook an egg. You, you're just going to have to be patient. It's, it's going to take about five minutes for your egg to cook. That's all. Well, you can and, cook uh, a lot of stuff just with boiling water, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, you, yeah, hard boil your eggs. You can get your beans going. You can put the vegetables in there uh, and cook them that way. Cook a lot of stuff with just boiling water. Yeah, it, it, as far as beans are concerned, the water doesn't even have to be boiling. Uh, the, yeah. the, the water can be... Uh, somewhere between lukewarm and hot and uh it's just that it's going to take a lot of time in order to cook those right. beans it's going to take about 12 hours and uh another thing to to stock up on real fast uh that you can stock up on real fast is pasta mm, and oh excellent is really cheap it's really nutritious and uh, uh little john Real quick, uh, Little John has a good com comment here in the chat. He talks about cast iron pots and pans. Yes, because you can cook easily on an open flame or an open fire with those. Uh, I actually got a set about two years ago for my wife. Yeah. And uh, cast well, iron well, is I'll great. Tell you what else, I'll tell you what else people can buy. Uh, get yourself the, the cheapest crock pot you can find because – What's valuable about that crock pot is, is, is the ceramic insert. And you can adapt that very easily to, to cooking on an open fire. And, and that's going to be the pretty much the same thing as, as cast iron. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's a good, good tip right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and these it's, are things that we need, we need to be thinking about this before we get into that emergency situation. And this is stuff that's useful. Uh, one thing I was talking, we were talking about uh, for the listeners, we were talking about a lot of this preparedness stuff. Let's just say you're growing your own garden. Um, you can use that to offset food costs as they rise. You know, it's, it's practical stuff you can use today. Uh, so it's not like you're cramming a bunch of stuff in your garage. Well, all uh, right. And, and, yeah. and don't expect to eat like a king either. But, but, right. uh, but, but another thing to do is, uh, if you have the environment for it, get, get yourself some chickens. Uh, my, my rule of thumb is that, uh, is that each chicken, okay, is going to lay two-thirds of an egg a day, okay, or on average. It depends upon the breed and, and, and the time of year. But, for example, if you've got three chickens, you'll get two eggs a day. If you've got six chickens, you'll get four eggs a day. And uh, – so, and, and all you need is chickens. You don't need any roosters and so on and so forth. And, and they should keep laying for 
anywhere from, from six months to a year. But, uh, but that's, but that's going to be your protein is those eggs. And, uh, and chickens can free, free range. Um, I mean, in that kind of situation, someone might be trying to get your chicken to eat it, but if you can keep them protected, they'll eat, they'll pick through anything. They'll eat bugs. They'll eat, they'll take stuff that you wouldn't eat and turn it into food. Is basically yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, the, they'll eat the bugs and they'll give you protein. And, and then Karen's and mentioning can... that potatoes, potatoes are very easy to grow. We talked about that earlier on the phone. Potatoes are one of yeah. the easiest things that anybody can grow. Even if you live in the city, you can grow them in a small piece of yard, you know. You, um, you can grow potatoes in a barrel. Oh, and, there you uh, go. So yeah, you, you, you can you, you can get uh, you can basically get uh, compost. Even even uh, well grass clippings are too acidic. I found that out, but uh, but you can get like leaves or, or anything like that, and you can grow the potatoes in the leaves and and uh, as long as they're kept moist they'll, they'll grow like gangbusters yeah and, and i was uh, telling you that i i actually uh, had a weird smell one time coming from under my kitchen sink and i and kept a bag of potatoes down there and um i guess it was a little moist down there and there was the potatoes were sprouting they were growing in a plastic bag under my sink oh That's yeah crazy yeah. in the dark <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, they'll do that all the time uh they won't Karen uh says she's heard of growing them in shopping bags um if it's paper i imagine that uh and it's moist uh, they'll feed off that cardboard breaking or the because it's, you know the brown paper bag is kind of like a cardboardy kind of material um, yeah i i I, th I think they would they would tend to start to rot though in that kind of environment they wouldn't oh, get man. enough nutrition but uh all right all right I, i'm sorry i interrupted you there i just wanted to read those comments so that's but, okay. Uh, where were we at? Okay, we, we were talking about fires and uh, and of course you're you're going to need water. Mm -hmm. Now, the way your water is going to work is uh, is you, you want to have a supply of water on hand. You want to have about ten gallons or so per person, and what you're going to do is is you're going to find. A source of relatively clean water. It might be a stream. Ideally, it would be a spring. Uh, if possible, you could dig a well and uh, dig a hole deep enough, and it'll start to fill up with water. And oh, real quick, can I can I jump into something? Uh, talk about if you have, uh, say, you're next to a really muddy kind of pondish area. Um, if you dig a hole next to it. It, that ground will filter that water quite a bit. That's one of the survival techniques. Uh, if you come across some like stagnant water or whatever, and that's not going to get rid of potentially any, um, any disease in there. So you got to boil it and all that. But uh, have you ever heard of that? I forget what they call that when they, they dig a hole next to kind of a dirty water source. And as it fills that hole up, it filters uh, out uh -huh. a lot of the sediment. So I, I, there's a name for that. I forget what it's called. Um, a sump maybe but anyway i want to throw that in there because if you don't have a spring or a source of clean water but you have a water source that could be right. one way to get uh, but uh water but, to, but what you're going to want to do is is uh yeah you, you might have to boil the water but but preferable to that is uh 
is just take a small amount of that water, like a tablespoon or so, and gradually work your way up to where you can drink a glass of it because your immune system w will start to build up a tolerance to that water. Now, maybe at first you'll get sick, maybe you'll get diarrhea or so on and so forth, but, but just persevere and, and that should go away. And, uh, and, and then you'll have a, a source of water. And, and, and you want to be careful to, to be consistent, to keep uh, drinking the water from the same place. And of course, you don't want to contaminate that water with your waste materials. So you're going to have to to to, to plan your your waste. But uh, but really, what you want to do is uh, is especially for a newbie, um, j just take the plunge and uh, and go to your breaker box in your house or whatever, and just just shut off the breaker. Just kill your electricity and see what happens. And uh, the first thing you'll notice is how dependent you are upon it. You, you, you're, you're probably dependent upon it in ways that you don't even realize. But, but, uh, but to shock the system that way is going to be good for you because then you're going to have to learn how how to think. It's like, well, how can I do without hot water? How, how can I come up with an alternative hot water supply? And, uh, and, and so on and so forth. A another thing is, is, is like, for example, bathing. Okay. You don't need to be taking a bath every day or every other day or so on and so forth. You, you can get away with, uh, with only taking a bath once every two weeks or so. Uh, you, you, you might, Depending on your situation, you might have to change your underwear more often and so on and so forth. But uh, but all of this stuff is going to work hand in hand. Uh, yeah, another and, thing and I would say. I would say, White Wolf, just uh, not to cut you off again, but the, the two-week thing. Um, when we go to the field, when we did go to the field when I was in the Army, a lot of times we were out there for two weeks and there was no showers. You know, And that's what we did. You change your socks, your underwear, your undershirt. Uh, and then you wear your your uh, outer garments maybe for two days or depending on what you're doing, if they get sweaty or soiled. Um, so you bring enough, you know, for a two week, to, uh, I won't call it deployment, but two weeks in the field, I would take maybe four, four uniforms, the one I'm wearing plus three more. And then I would bring uh, socks, underwear and shirts for every day. So yeah. you'd have two weeks worth of uh, the, your, you know, your t-shirt. Yeah, it, it's and, going to depend. It's yeah. going to depend upon the temperature. It's going to be depend upon physical activity and so on right. and so forth. Basically in, in the winter time with my house set at 58 degrees, if I'm not doing any activity or at all, I can get away with the, the same clothes for two weeks straight. No problem. And, and baby wipes. I mean, if you've got to clean up, you know, the hot spots, um, we'll call it a bird bath. In the army, taking a bird bath. Uh, yeah, if you have baby wipes on hand, or even just a, a damp cloth, um, if that's what you got to do, you can go a little longer. Well, a, a damp cloth and water will, will get you will get you uh, clean after after it, every time you have to take a dump or whatever. So yeah, but uh, but but yeah, that that's critical. Every time every time you water and fertilize, make sure you clean up after yourself. 
with, with, with just a, a cloth and water. And uh, another thing that, that, that people don't consider is fasting, okay? You want to you wanna take your food intake down because the less food that you eat, I'm not saying go hungry, but, but I'm saying only, only eat what you really need in order to survive. And, uh, and also eat more basic foods because what happens is that the body, okay, you, you, your body is a toxin factory and your body excretes toxin, well, first of all, through your breath. And, uh, and, and second of all, th th through your sweat glands, especially the palms of your hands and, and, the, and the soles of your toes. And, and also out the, uh, out the armpits and so on and so forth. And uh, it, it's there that the toxins build up and that's why you start to smell after a while. And, uh, and, and so pay attention to those areas in particular and keep them clean. But also if you're eating more basic foods, you won't secrete as many toxins. In, in, in other words, you, your overall body activity goes down. And, uh, and on, on a practical note, especially for older people, you only really need two meals a day. Uh, Young children, yes, that they need the nutrition, that they need those three square solid meals a day because they're growing and so on and so forth. But when you get over the age of 40, your metabolism changes. And oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and, and people, a lot of people that the, the reason the reason that they look like fat pigs is because they continue to eat the same way they did when they were 20. And they just put on the weight and, and, and they don't care or they think, oh, that th this is just natural or whatever. It's like, no, you, your, your metabolism is slowing down and you really don't need all the food that you did when you were younger. Yeah. So that, that's something to well, keep hey, in mind. Um, how much, but we got three and a half minutes till it's going to cut me off. Uh, do you want to wrap it up in three and a half or you want to keep going and I'll just uh, kick us out of free world? Uh, oh, we, we, we can up. keep going and uh okay yeah so uh just for the audience listening on free world um it's going to cut us off here at one point um i don't know who's coming on after me or if it's just the time i was allowed but we're if you want to see the rest of it uh come out on thursday i'll be doing a live replay on rumble twitter and facebook and i can see all the chats for those so if it cuts us off have a good evening <laughs> all right sorry keep going white wolf Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about the fact that uh, that individual circumstances are, are going to vary. Okay, uh, depending upon where you're at right now, you might want to consider sheltering in place, uh, or you might want to consider having an escape plan. Okay, if you're one of those unfortunate people that, that you're still in a large metropolitan area, when it all goes south, obviously you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of desperate people within a few days. And I, I don't care how much ammunition you have or, or however you want to put it, they're just going to keep coming. And so your best option is probably to figure out a place where you can go that's going to be relatively safe 
and then figure out an escape plan to get there. How are you going to get there by avoiding crowds and avoiding congested areas and so on and so forth? And also, I would suggest that your escape plan for, from an urban area be either on a bicycle or on foot because as, as far as an automobile is concerned, forget it because there's, there's going to be gangs on all, all of the highways and the highways are probably going to become quickly cluttered with disabled vehicles and abandoned vehicles and what have you. And they're going to, they're going to become relatively impassable. Oh, absolutely. So, and then what happens if you can't uh, pump the gas at the gas station? If there is any gas at the gas station, you know, right. you can only go so far. And you're going to be sitting in traffic with your car idling uh, because everyone's trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. So, yeah, on foot, exactly. on bike, skateboard, roller skates, whatever is probably it gives you more alternate routes as well. You know, you got uh, even urban areas have trails, you know, running trails, hiking trails through them. Exactly. Those would be pretty good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so the importance of, of, uh, I mean, qu quite frankly, I don't know what people are still doing in the city. A a anybody that that's even, that that's even remotely awake. It's like you, you're looking, you're looking at these urban areas and you can just see the decline, I think from day to day. Uh, now, uh, let me ask you a question before we go on about the hunker down or escape plan. Would you suggest, let's say I'm in an urban area and I have two weeks of supplies on hand, um, but I do have an escape plan when, you know, the excrement hits the ventilator, as uh, Audi would say, uh, would I want to hunker down for the, as long as I can just to let kind of everybody else disperse and or do you think they're going to come beating on my door and trying to take my stuff? Uh, or should I get out as soon as possible uh, or would it depend on the situation, I guess? Yeah. Well, in an urban area, I, I would get out more sooner than later. In okay. fact, if you're in an urban area, I, I would really seriously think about get, getting out now. And uh, because I really think that we're going down the home stretch. And, and, and I, I think that we've reached the cutoff point. So, Well, if COVID taught us anything, uh, it taught us that we weren't prepared. I mean, even with toilet paper, right? Um, and uh, the Grubhub and the Uber Eats and all that, they made a ton, a ton of money because people were locked down in their homes and they couldn't get they couldn't get to the grocery store. And if you did, it was, you know, one way aisles and standing out lot, uh, out in the front in the parking lot because they only let so many people. Well, well yeah, but, but, but on the flip side, uh, that stuff is expensive. Yes. Compared exactly. to going to the grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. It comes at a premium and it's not the best food to be eating. So. Right. Yeah. You, you have that too. So, and, uh, and then also it, it helps to be surrounded by like-minded people. And uh, I think one of the things we need to talk about is uh, getting to know the people in your community um, because you may have, uh, uh, you know, come together and be able to sustain each other if you each do something, you know, may, may be able to like 
I've got enough property here that I can have me a pretty good sized garden. This um, workshop I'm putting up, I'm thinking about taking about a third of it and walling it off and doing indoor growing in there. Uh, and I know my neighbor behind me grows a couple things. If I get to know the people in my immediate area, I'm talking about my neighborhood and identify those who have something of value and I have something of value, we might be able to stay in place and just trade amongst each other. In an right. As situation. long as everybody's really serious and as, right. as long as you all understand what it's going to look like when it all goes south. So it'd be kind of yeah, like a neighborhood watch, but, uh, you know, we're watching each other's back. And then also if, if somebody in the neighborhood tries to, um, come take your stuff, it, it's nice to have allies, you know, you look out for each other. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, I wanted to throw that in there. Cause that's what I see that, uh, I got a friend of mine, um, that homesteads south of town here or south of the base. And he's friends with all, he actually has a, uh, YouTube channel called freedom farms it's a great channel it tells you all uh reviews farming gear gps stuff all the stuff he shows you how to spread fertilizer i mean if, if it has to do with homesteading he's probably covered it but um anyway him and his neighbors i was down there with them and they all know each other and they all do something a little bit different so you know they could actually enter into a pretty good barter system if they had to without gold or silver or anything you know so right. uh, it'd be nice. I I'm hoping to get there, but I don't think, you know, where I'm at, there's not really farmland so much like there is down South. So I don't know if anybody would have anything of value to trade me, but, uh, you know, so I, I have a pretty good piece of land that, you know, not here where I'm living now, but up North of town and it's got a big pasture up on the hilltop and I could grow all kinds of stuff up there. So I don't know if I'm going to have time though, before the, you know, whatever happens, happens. I need to get started now. And uh, yeah, you know, step uh, one is, yeah. Yeah. As, as far as, as far as prepping is concerned, uh, if, if you're not to the point wh where you're actually homesteading, I would say that you're behind the eight ball. Yeah. And, uh, and you're going to have real to quick time on that for the listeners. Um, Charlie Robinson, uh, he came up with this dollar store uh, emergency kit. And I think he designed it for earthquake uh, preparedness, you know, to get you through a couple weeks if there's an earthquake. And, um, you know, I, I forget where he was. I think he was on Tiger's show. He was on Angry Tiger's Den, and he mentioned it. So I contacted him, and he sent me the list. And this is stuff that you can pick up from the dollar store. I think it's about 70-ish items, uh, things like matches, candles, things you might not think to get until you, like you said, it's a great exercise to just shut the power off to your house shut the water off to your house. And as you start experiencing that, you're like, man, I could really use some candles, write it down. You know, oh, I could really use a way to light this candle, write it down. And that's kind of what Charlie did. If you go to the Knights of the Storm website, I have it posted there. But the great thing is you could break it down. Um, and every time you go to the dollar store or Walmart, if, whatever, grab 10 of those items, you know, throw them in a the cart. And he's even got like food, you know, simple food stuff listed there. But um, that could be a way that you could, like, in a very short period of time, get to the two-week, you know, I can sustain myself for two weeks. And uh, and he also included those uh, Rubbermaid tubs, which, you know, once you've used those up, you can use those to store water as well. So, anyway, I wanted to throw that in there to let people know I had that list that Charlie provided on our website in the forums area. 
Right. And uh, it, it's also it's also about being thrifty and resourceful. You, you know, look at the stuff that you are throwing away and ask yourself, could this have a could this have a use in a survivalist scenario? Because, for, for example, like even even tin cans, if if you cut the if you cut the bottoms out of tin cans and you stack them up, you, you could have yourself a rocket stove there. Yep. And uh, you know you, you could even you could even like uh, if you have really clean burning items, you, you could even have like a small fire indoors. Uh, with that kind of a scenario. Yeah, now, of absolutely. course, that, that, that's a little bit more advanced. Uh, that, that's not something that, that a beginner would want to do. But, but if you, you know what you're doing, uh, you can have the, those coals and embers indoors, and, and, you, and you can use that for cooking and, and, and perhaps even for, for a little bit of heat. And, uh, you know, you know, another thing, of course, that, that you want to have on hand w would be some type of sleeping bag. And, and, and depending upon your area, uh, you, you might want to have I, I slept uh, for a week and a half, almost two weeks outside, negative uh, 17 degrees-ish Fort Drum. And I was toasty in my sleeping bag. If you get the right sleeping bag, it was a layered system. Um, exactly. One one trick to that though is whatever clothes you're going to wear the next day make sure you pull them in the sleeping bag with you because they'll be frozen solid and getting out of that bag and putting on those frozen clothes is not a fun uh, a fun thing oh well i i would basically just sleep in what i was going to wear the next day yeah that's possibility the, the, too yeah that that way i can i can just get out of the bag and and just get right right into the day right into what i'm going to be doing you, you know, one thing I would I would recommend to people uh, is get yourself a dog. A, a, a dog is is actually going to be a great survival tool. Um, for, first of all, you, you, your dog when it's cold, he's going to to snuggle right up to you in order to warm up, and that's going to keep you warm too. And Another thing about the dog is uh, is get up in the morning and first thing is take that dog for a walk. Get, go for a walk about two or three miles and uh, and th that's going to give you a chance to, to launch into your day. You're going to be exercising. You're going to be moving around. Also, w when you're walking your dog, it's it's actually a great opportunity to meet other people because because uh, about half of the people out there have dogs already and uh, you, your dog meets their dog and, and the next thing you know you, you, you're able to talk to that person and that's that's a great way to get to know to know everybody. <coughs> so the, there's there's lots of advantages to to, uh, to, to having a dog. Um, and also tree a squirrel. And while the squirrel's barking at the dog, you could take it out with your 22 and have dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Squirrels like to taunt. They like to taunt dogs. 
And when they're talking, oh, yeah. the dog, they're not paying attention to what's going on around them. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's something for, that's not really something for beginners. Uh, that that's a little yeah, bit more true. advanced, uh, talking about learning how to, how to hunt and actually shoot at stuff. And, and then when you've got a shot, uh, how to, how to skin it and then cook it. That's, that's a, probably a whole video in and of itself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I should do that. I should do a video on that. I don't know if they'd let me uh, show that on online though, like chopping up an animal. It's, it could be kind of graphic. Well, you, you, you wouldn't have to get to the chopping up part. Uh, the, the skinning part would be about as graphic as what it gets. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how to make the proper cuts so that you can take the skin off very easily. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you could just basically, I think that, that, that if once you decapitated it offline, I, I, I think after that, the, uh, the, the video people really wouldn't care what you're doing from that point on, because okay. the, then you're basically just dealing with a piece of meat and, yeah. and not, yeah. a, not a quote unquote animal anymore. All right. Well, what else do we got? Uh, so where are we at now? We, we, um, we're, we're either hunkered down or we're staying in the house or we're out surviving camping i like the idea of getting a dog a uh, dog is useful for a lot of other things and protection as well uh, oh yeah less likely to mess with you if you have like a german shepherd or something uh, oh, oh oh yeah de definitely especially if you're in an urban environment yeah yeah absolutely no i i would tell people that uh that the possibility of things going haywire or it at this juncture they're probably greater than they are at any time in the history of this country since like perhaps the year 1860. And but, that's uh, why I wanted to lead in with the current events, uh, with the immigration, the possibility of false flag, failing infrastructure, war. Um, you're right. Th at this time, there are so many variables and it could be a combination of things. So right. if an emergency situation is going to happen, now is the time that we're going to see it and it could be a nationwide thing uh, if you know if they oh, try it, the disease. it definitely will be a nationwide thing I, I i mean basically what we're looking for right now is just simply the trigger event and you know if we and we may be looking at this soon um if we really believe that iran has nuclear capability and we're over there bombing the hell out of them uh an emp is is you don't have to detonate an EMP near your city. It can be in the atmosphere and they could take out the entire, with a super EMP, they could take out the entire nation's power grid. And that could be, that is a significant event. Very significant. Uh, people will turn to cannibalism within a month. I promise. Oh you. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know how real EMPs are, but they, that they sure as heck could oh, they, simulate one. Yeah. They, they, um, it doesn't have to be a big, huge bomb. Uh, you know, they could make it specifically yeah, for they, EMP. Yeah, they could just simply call. They, they could just simply pull the plug and call it an EMP. I, I, I mean, they, it, they it could. could be the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it could as be. As far as the sheep are concerned, it would be the same thing. 
yeah, it's like you don't unless you see with your eyes yourself, you really don't know if what they tell you is true. Exactly. You know? But but uh, but given twenty twenty. 2020, I think, was the beta test, and, and, and the sheep will pass with flying colors. Yeah. But most of the sheep will prove that they're dumber than a bag of rocks and don't believe anything they see on the television set, not their own eyes and ears. And uh, it's, it's really sad, but that's essentially the kind of society we live in. And that's why I tell people it's so important to unplug now, thank goodness I unplugged about 30 years ago. I, uh, in fact, it was well over 30 years ago now. It, it was in 1988 when I, I told my father, you know, this year for Lent, I'm giving up television. I'm not going to watch any TV. And my dad was like, well, that's a really hard penance. Do you think you can do that? And I said, well, I'm, I'm certainly going to go for it. And, uh, and I, I was successful. And in fact, after that, I never went back to watching television regularly. I, I and, uh, and, and actually, since I think about the year 1990, I, I can't recall ever going up to a television set and turning it on and watching something. I, I, think, I think the only time I ever might have done that was when I was on a long road trip and I checked into a Motel 6 or something, and I just turned on the weather channel to see what the weather would be like or, or, or something something like that. And uh, But heck, now even the weather channel is just basically entertainment and propaganda. Yeah. It's, uh, they, they push in the they, – they choose what to report to push the global warming narrative. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean one one simple thing that we can look at uh they pointed at i forget if it was last year or the year prior they were, were talking about june and july had um record highs record highest ever highest ever records but if you look at the same year they also had record lows so um it's a natural phenomena but they're going to point to global warming well can't you deduce that we're having global cooling if you just isolate those record lows right you well know, that's some all you of the at. hottest summers i remember were in the 80s i mm -hmm. i i remember i remember one july where i i think at least half the days in july it got up over 100 and we're talking about in pennsylvania where that doesn't happen that often right it's and, just a cycle the, a sun cycle you know and then people got to understand yeah. you know um if we're on a ball spinning around the earth, if that's what we are, that uh, we are closer to the sun some sometimes than we are other times. It's, it's kind of like moves, you know, uh, according to, you know, the science behind yeah, it. Well, so well, I, I don't really think it has necessarily anything to do with the sun. Uh, I think it has more to do with the dew cycle than anything else. The, with the, the what? The cold... The, the, the cold comes from the dew cycle, and, and okay. especially in wintertime. You get frost after frost. That's what that's what cools down the atmosphere, and that's what uh, makes temperatures cold. And, and also, uh, especially when you get a snow cover, that's reflecting uh, most of the sunlight right. Uh, r r right back up into the atmosphere. And so it gets and very that's why cold. 
that's why ice ages last so long because if you get to that point uh not enough of the sunlight is and that's the theory well, behind the, the, the uh, there were no ice ages uh the the earth is only about eight thousand years old i i hope you understand that the, the this this billions of years for the age of the earth that, that that's a complete crock and the, the the way you know that okay is especially if you go out west Every time that they get a gully washer, it, it causes massive e erosion. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to the Petrified Forest National Park. No, I but haven't. You're, but but you're, you're standing up there on, on that li little piece uh, of the Kaibab Plateau, and you can see where, where, where the Forest Service has, has put, like, concrete on, on, under various logs in order to keep them from washing down the gullies that uh, that, that, that form every few years. I, I mean, there is no way that that, that that part of the plateau has been there for, for more than a few hundred years because at, at, at the rate at which it's washing out. I, I mean, at the rate at which it's washing out, it's going to be all gone in 300 years. That's, that's going to be completely completely washed onto the lower part of the plateau that 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 mm. that uh, that high part of the plateau where, where the petrified forest is Abs absolutely it's it's nothing but a glorified mesa w w which is going to wash out and you can you can see that all, all throughout the West, you, you, you can see how all of the topography was was formed by Noah's flood as as the as the floodwaters receded back into the oceans. It's it's all there. It's it's it it's all it's all in plain sight. And and this idea that that the Earth is is millions and billions of years old is is just absolute hogwash. I I, I mean that. The rate at which the surface rocks disintegrate is is amazing. Uh, for for folks in West Virginia, just just take a ride down I seventy nine, and and see how fast all of those rock faces that, that were newly excavated back in the seventies that they all look like uh, they all look like out west. Everything was vertical and so on and so forth. And now you look at it; it's all washed out, and that's not even fifty years. Well, you know, so, I've got so, one of those. Um, right, I, I live off of old Route sixty six. Um, it's also called Highway Z, uh, but uh, it, it kind of goes along the where the highway goes. And just down the street from my house is where where they had cut through a massive, um, you know, hill. And you know they, they dynamited it. It's all solid bedrock, so they dynamited right. it all. And uh, well, I know that's been quite a few. I mean, that's probably been how long has the old Route sixty six been around? Uh, oh, hundred years now, maybe. Yeah, roughly about a hundred years. Yeah. yeah, and it does. It looks like really, really ancient rock uh, because they uh, and it ha there's a lot of erosion though because they you know there is groundwater that comes out constantly it's constantly wet we get icicles in the winter time but yeah that's right. something to think about you know and i i have seen a couple of uh videos what, what you're talking about if you want to you know subscribe to the idea the earth is young you know like the, the bible talks about um there are some examples 
You know, I'm not going to tell people what to believe, but there are examples where they, they went out there and they showed that, like what you're talking about, um, a huge washout. And uh, they, you know, say, how old do you think this is? And you think, oh, it's 100,000 years old or whatever. But they actually showed in video in real time how floodwaters washed it all out. So it's interesting, interesting stuff. But um, yeah. let's get let's get back to the preparedness stuff. Um, I'm, I don't want to go over two hours because then it's almost impossible to upload the uh, the video later. Um, but uh, well, you got about what else do we got for the eight minutes left? If we go a little bit over, it's OK. I just know if the file gets to be too large yeah. uh, the, and the, I can't. The only thing the only thing I the only two items I have on my list that we haven't really covered are barter and foraging. And, and okay, as far as I, water, I wanted to talk about foraging because I know there's a lot of stuff that grows right in your backyard that you can eat. Uh, oh, yeah. Tea out of the lions. Uh, so let's do the, the foraging, uh, because if you can forage, you can also barter with that, can't you? Yeah. Well, well yeah. the foraging, uh, the best thing to do is is get yourself a, a guide to edible weeds and. Uh, and I think I think even the army like has a has a guide to edible weeds that, that you can uh, buy in paperback form, and uh, I I I have that book and uh, it's it's stored away for a rainy days so to say and uh, but but I I already know that uh, that for example things like cattails are are edible and and they're a good source source of starch and and also a lot of vitamins you talk about those things look like corn dogs that grow on the edge of the water yeah yeah okay the, that's what we call the, them they, they actually have they actually have root systems that, that are very similar to potatoes i did and, not know uh, that see yeah and 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 you can also cook them like potatoes wow you, you can and slice also them, with the them. with the foraging i'm glad we started there and um I've got this book from Dr. LaGuardia, the Doomsday Book of Medicine. Uh, medicine's going to run out for people really fast if the supply chains go down. Um, so uh, there are natural alternatives, and that's what this book is. It'll, it'll go over the condition, um, and it'll tell you multiple ways to either fix the condition through diet and exercise or whatever, or how you can lessen the condition, like uh, wild stuff, stuff you can grow to use that as your medicine. You know, like uh, right. you know, beets and stuff. Beets have a well, lot of. Well, my they're like my a mother food. had a similar book. It's called "Be Your Own Doctor," and uh, yeah, and, and yeah, it, it talks about it talks about how to solve diseases using household remedies, charcoal, things like yeah. that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay, I didn't mean to jump there. I just didn't want. I was still thinking about the medical thing because we talked about that earlier, but uh, the foraging. Um, you said that uh, I think the paperback is a good idea. Um, I mean, I know I got nuts, nuts right here that grow in my tree and fall on the ground. You just got to learn how to prepare them, you know. Right. So, right. A lot of people won't think about that. You know, they won't think about it. And if you get a whole, you know, one of those, you get your peanut butter or your peanut uh, jar, you roast some nuts, fill it. Now you've got a tradable item. You can trade somebody a jar, a jar of roasted nuts for whatever they have. Maybe they got a uh, they butchered a chicken or something. You can get some meat. Right. Yep. 
what else when it comes to bartering? Um, what do you see? I, I mean, I have gold and silver. I know that that's uh, still I, even I, I think like uh, I, I think like dried spices are going to be good for bartering. Also, yeah. salt. Um, especially like sure. cinnamon. Cinnamon is something that you can get dirt cheap, and it, it, in a grid down scenario, that that is going to be so valuable. Uh, probably pound for pound, you could probably exchange it for silver at one point. It's oh, wow. uh, it, yeah, it, it's going to be very valuable. Very, yeah, very even, valuable. Even though I I have you know a lot of silver, a lot of ninety uh, percent silver. I understand that nobody needs silver to survive. Uh, the right. only thing I've got it for, uh, you know, nobody's going to want silver and gold. They're going to want food. They're going to want water. Exactly. But, and I understand that. But if I have the food and water and uh, I have more than I need and I want to give it to somebody and then later on they're going to pay me back, that silver or gold is the, that token or placeholder. That I've done well, that well the silver so. and gold is going to go through what, what I call the Daffy Duck moment. Um, okay, the Daffy Duck, I like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you remember that one Looney Tune where, where Daffy Duck is lugging his, his gold nugget across the desert and he's getting really thirsty. And there's Bugs Bunny with the lemonade stand. And, and he's like, okay, I'll give you this glass of lemonade in exchange for your gold nugget. And Daffy Duck is there seriously thinking about it, and, and then he wags his head and walks off, uh, still carrying his nugget and still suffering. But uh, but you're going to have that where where people are going to be willing to trade their gold and their silver uh, just for the things that they need in order to survive, and uh, and it's going to be going at a at, at a real premiums. So so yeah. You, you, your gold and silver—that's that's like a long haul investment. That's for right. when you reach the other side, then you can be your own bank. And uh, there you go. That's right. Yeah, and and then you can buy a lot of land with that gold and silver, and and get yourself uh, get yourself and you and your family uh, r really well off because r real wealth and value is in land. It's not in gold and silver. It, right. it, it's your land that once you get it uh, to the point where you're working it or you've got other people working it, then it's making money for you. It's it, it's an investment. Where, whereas gold and silver are just inner things that's, that sit there and look pretty. But they're, they're never really going to make money for you. Not unless you're Jewish. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a store. It's a store of wealth. Um, it's meant exactly. to be sold off at some point uh, or traded off at some point for something of actual value, like durable goods, like you talk about. Um, so, you know, maybe I can trade me if I need food and water. I know I've got the land. We've been planning for a while. I just haven't got into the whole. Uh, I haven't gotten far enough into it. So we've had our land for several years now, forty-five acres. Um, I've got this workshop going in here. The garage is becoming a pantry. Uh, and then we're going to start the prepping. Once this shed is done out here, I'll move all my tools, all the stuff. And I need to get hand tools too. Hand tools are going to be very, very valuable. The old school, non-electric hand tools. Um, oh, I need yeah, to get like yeah. a hand plane. Yeah, those. I need to start going to some of these antique shops around here along Route 66, uh, antique stores, and start looking for hand planes, hand saws, 
the old drills, you know, that you, you spin like this. Um, and those yeah, actually I, drill I, pretty I well. I've used them. Old drills. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be a very valuable thing. We didn't really touch on it, but you know, I think the, the workshop is a good interim stage. Um, it's going to add value to the house. So my money won't be stored in fiat. It'll be stored in a physical property. Then once I get all the stuff that I need, next step is to build a workshop up on our property and kind of start uh, homesteading out of that, you know, a little, a little at a time. I still think we're way behind the power curve. Uh, but I know we're a lot better off than other people are. You know, we're not living paycheck to paycheck. Um, kind of in retirement mode now. I know that won't last forever, but, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to use this time to get where I, I want us to be. Mm -hmm. But but anyway, uh, what else we got? Let's go ahead and and uh, whatever other thoughts you got, and then we'll wrap it up. And, uh, and I'll let you get to bed. I know you're an hour later than me over there. So it's, yeah. it's midnight right now for you, right? Yeah, it's it's closing in on midnight. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get her knocked out. And um, uh, what else have we got? We talked about the barter. Maybe we, we want to talk about the barter a little bit more. We kind of talked about it. Anything else on that? No, I, I pretty much covered it as far as uh, loading up on salt and, and spices yeah. and uh, and having that to barter. Maybe cigarettes if if some of your neighbors are into that. Uh, but yeah. uh, I I like the idea of um, unplugging. I mean, because we all when we go camping, you know that's one thing. We know what we're going to need before we go there. Uh, so you bring uh, or you stop by the store and you say, okay, I need charcoal, I need flashlight, I need batteries, I need this and that. But if you were to do what you said, which is an interesting uh, experiment, just go down, shut off the breaker, and see what happens. I think that's oh, yeah. a good way to cut. Yeah, it's a good way to come up with a list of things that you maybe don't know that you need. So put yourself in the situation and, and do it for a couple of days, I think would be pretty smart. Um, find out that you don't have enough bottle. You know, turn your water off too. Turn the water off to your faucet. And uh, I think that's a great thing to do. I know in going through Charlie Robinson's list, there was a lot of useful things on there I would have never thought of unless I'm in the situation where I need the item. So I thought that was great. Uh, I may do that. Uh, my wife probably won't like it. <laughs> Maybe I'll uh, when she goes to visit family, I'll stay here and just shut the power off for a couple of days and see how I do. So, yeah. I, I remember we had a power outage for the good portion of the day. Um, that was when we first got here and we were kind of sitting around not knowing what to do with ourselves. This is the TV wasn't on. I don't watch the TV, but it's always on. Uh, my wife has it on for background noise and my grandson likes to watch it. Uh, there was no lights in the house and it started getting dark and yeah, it was kind of surreal to be, you know, and I grew up that way. I grew up. We didn't always have power in our house. We didn't always have running water. Uh, and back then it wasn't a big deal, but now, you know, it's it's kind of a shocker when you go back to that mode, you know. Right. But, um, but right. all right, well uh, let's let's get out of here. Um, any any last things? Anything we missed? No, I I think we pretty much hit, hit it all. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, and uh, you are a brother in Christ. Uh, I know we did the the um, 
the religious show with uh, uh, Tiger. I hope we get to get together on there again because that was really good. We are of different faiths to let people know. We're of slightly, we're both Christian, but you're Catholic, right? Uh, yeah. And, um, and I would be, I guess you could say I grew up Baptist, but I, I would just, I wouldn't classify myself anymore. Um, well, I just, well uh, I was going to ask him because you mentioned holy water and, and I'm like, that's yeah. not a Baptist thing. Yeah, I know. It's come from the movies. That's how I know about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But anyway, I guess I'll get us out of here. Thank you so much, uh, White Wolf. Um, this was a fascinating topic. We covered a lot today. And uh, gave a lot of people things to think about. You gave me a lot to think about. So uh, I guess that does it for tonight. Remember to hold your ground, watch the enemy, improve the foxhole, and always look out for one another. Until next time. You've been watching The Foxhole with Jason Barker.